And we're back, folks. Episode 14, the Pinch Talk Podcast. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, you know, this is what happens when you have more time in between podcasts. A lot of times, just topics will pop off just naturally. So, welcome to episode 14. Like I've said, remember to check out the podcast on all the on uh, all the platforms: Breaker, uh, Apple Pods, Spotify, uh, YouTube, all that shit. The podcast is there. Remember to check out the podcast account on Twitter. Remember to check out our Baseball Terms 101 threads. We're actually doing uh, broadcast terminology right now. Uh, you know, the, the lineup, you know, a lot of the expressions you'll hear broadcasters say during a game. Remember to check out Pat's articles that he writes about black uh, baseball players. And I mentioned Pat. Uh, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, bro. How about yourself? I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. I mean, could be better, but I mean, we're here to talk about baseball. Like, season's kind of like, kind of seamlessly going, despite, you know, the whole situation that surrounds it. And, you know, that kind of makes me happy in some ways. And in other ways that we'll talk about later, it doesn't. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I've said, a lot of shit to talk about. Uh, so let's. Let's just uh, kind of tell people first, you know, how the standings kind of look and know that because there are some teams that are hot right now and they really differ a lot from what they were looking like, like just 10, 12 days ago, something like that. You got the standings in front of you, right? Yeah, I do. Um, right now, um, starting with the American League East, you got Tampa Bay who's jumped out in front of the Yankees and uh, Tampa Bay kind of started off slow and the Yankees started off real hot. But it's kind of reversed, especially with the fact that the Yankees have a lot of injuries to players that get injured a lot. So, yeah, yeah, they're still gonna wind up with like thirty-five wins, regardless, because it's the Yankees. Yeah, but um, Toronto is seven and three in their last ten games, and Baltimore and Boston are both three and seven in their last ten games. Yeah, so we kind of see, we kind of see. Yeah, it would seem like this third week of baseball is where teams are kind of going <laughs> losing to teams they should lose to and beating teams they should be. With the NL East, um, Miami still looks decent, even though the National League East is hot trash besides Atlanta, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia's bullpen is garbage. Me and Mario could be the closer in the eighth inning guy tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're serious about that. Like their their bullpen is an eight ERA. Yeah, I've never pitched in my life. I could definitely be the setup guy. Um, yeah. So that pretty much centers the NL East. Um, AL Central, Twins, Cleveland baseball team, and the White Sox all look great. They're all within one game of each other. Um, KC yeah. and Detroit are in the middle of five year rebuilds, and on to the. And no central. Um, the Cubs look great. The Nationals need to catch up on a whole lot of games. And the rest of the and no central looks mediocre. Um, yeah. Surprisingly so, yeah. if, I'm, if I might say. The NOS, um, Houston's bouncing back as I predicted. I said they would bounce back in the third week of baseball. Um, Oakland still looks like the best team in baseball. And the rest of the division is going to be top 10 in the draft this year. Or top 15. Um, yep. Then you got the NL West, where it's the Dodgers and, San, and Slam Diego. Yeah. That's destroyed. crazy. Yeah, it is. You got to talk about that. But, that's, but yeah, San Diego's won like six straight. And the Dodgers have a 71 run differential. That's great. That's that. That's so crazy to me. Seventy-one. They're an all-star team. Yeah, the next best team is thirty-nine. So it's almost like it's all. They're ten points away from being twice. You almost double. That's crazy. They're nine and one in their last ten games. No comment. Yeah. After that, just after the San Diego, it gets kind of it gets sloppy. It gets real sloppy. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> you got something else? Um, no, I'll save it for whenever we move on to the next yeah. topic. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Pat mentioned uh, San Diego, the Padres. Uh, we talked uh, a little bit about them 
on the NL West preview and, you know, in other episodes. And we felt like, you know, a lot of young pieces, you know, this team could probably do something, but we felt like maybe, you know, we had to see if they, you know, if they actually click, right? And so far they're clicking. Um, aren't they like 16 and 11 right now? Something like that. Like they're, like they're playing really well. Like Pat 17 and 12. Yeah, 17 and 12. That's really good. Uh, they've won like six straight. And yeah, straight. they're hitting a lot of grand slams, like an abnormal amount of grand slams. And one of those, now correct me if I'm wrong, because this was a, little, a while ago. One of those grand slams was hit by Fernando Tati Jr., who's a superstar, by the way. 21-year-old, if I'm not mistaken, shortstop. Superstar, hits the ball hard. Maniac on the base bats. Acrobatic defense. Just everything you want, right, in the next phase of baseball. Speaks both Spanish and English really well. That always helps. Um, and, and he's, he's a son of a major slam. leaguer. Yeah, yeah. A popular one like that, yeah, like a productive one. Who was in the majors yep. for fourteen years? Yeah, um, his, his, his father uh, hit two grand slams in the same inning of the same pitcher, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in baseball. And yeah, so Fernando Tatis Jr. he hit a grand slam with the Padres up by seven, I think, or by six, like in the eighth inning against the Rangers. And the problem here is. He swung three and zero. Now, if you're fam- you know if you're familiar with baseball and the unwritten rules, you will know that swinging three zero when you're up big is something that, according to everyone who goes by these unwritten rules, is just you know something you should just should not do. Why? Because you know you're not trying to rub it in to the face of the opponent. Um, and there was a whole shitstorm. Uh, the Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, got super mad at Tatis. Uh, Tatis's own manager actually threw him under the bus in the press conference. And it was just, and actually, it, it was a good thing that pretty much everyone I saw on social media just shitted on the Rangers for it. But, you know, it, this still kind of opens up the discussion about, you know, not only the unwritten rules, but also the connotations that kind of come with them, right? I mean, like, What's your take on it, though? Like, because I, I feel like we're both similar on this, but like, I'm trying to hear like your opinion because you've actually played uh, baseball, for, you know, for a long time before. So, go ahead, man. Like, yeah, it's stupid. It's it's bullshit. Um, the unwritten road things is is dumb, especially in modern day baseball. If you if you don't want anybody. You shouldn't be giving up the grand slam in the first place if you don't want somebody to hit a grand slam. Mm-hmm. Let alone pitch better. Not, yeah, pitch better. I mean, it's baseball. These dudes are the best players in baseball. Fell sixty percent at a time. Let them run it up. Like let them get his money. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. like, like that's one thing about baseball. I don't like they don't let folks get theirs. Mind you, this was the same major team last year. One last Sunday, you did two, you did 200, you did one more strikeout there is 200 in the bottom of a complete game. Somebody let a, um, a fly foul out drop to the ground. So you get to go for 200 strikeouts. Oh, that's ironic, ain't it? And it is very ironic. And the best thing about this whole debacle has been the fact that the, the Padres are pretty much annexed Texas. That's the part of San Diego. <laughs> for the rest of the series and then the, Tex- the Texans play another team and they get cooked again no the, 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 uh, the, uh, the uh, San Diego Padres they carried on to the Astros and started hitting Grand Slams against them but yeah. it's just crazy that's all I gotta say for real um, Chris Woodward and them were not right and um, Jay Singler the, the Padres manager he actually walked back um, him throwing Tatis under the bus in the press conference okay. the next day yeah he walked it back Okay, I mean it's still bad that he did it, but yeah, like he's a young guy. He's a young guy too, which is weird. But yeah, like he's like he got ties to the Rangers organization, though. Okay, so yeah, he probably did it just to save face with them. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a bullshit. It's a bullshit rule. First of all, it's your fault that you're down by seven in the eighth inning, right? It's it's your fault. Uh, Play better. Uh, your grown ass men 
uh, you should not need to have your feelings protected when you're not doing your job well. So, I mean, this is really not a uh, long discussion. Just it's bull. It's just pussy shit. I mean, can you imagine this in basketball, fam? Like, no. if, dog. Like, imagine if imagine in basketball you got two teams, right? Imagine like I'm gonna say just two random teams because I don't follow uh, basketball. I don't know these teams' situations. You know what I'm saying? Like, just two random teams, right? You got the Lakers and the Celtics. Whatever. Imagine the Lakers are beating the Celtics ass so bad, like they're whipping them by like 50 points in the third quarter, something like that. And the Celtic, and they go ahead and they shoot, and they shoot one from like the logo, and they hit a three. And the Celtics get mad at that because they're running up the score, quote unquote. And then they pick up the ball and they throw it right at him. Because that's another thing. Not only did they get mad at Tatis for swinging 3-0, they threw at Manny Machado right after that which was incredible and on MLB's you know defense because a lot of times they bungle shit like this they really fuck up didn't they suspend the pitcher who threw at Manny yeah they suspended the pitcher for one game Chris Woolworth got three games see the good that's a good thing I actually salute MLB for that I mean they should have suspended him for more but at least they did something because I, I mean, mean considering it's a 60 game season I guess they took that into account yeah if this was like 162 games they, they would have probably gone like two weeks each something like that but like that's besides the point at least I mean I I would have agreed you know I would kind of argued for a harsher penalty just because you can't be thrown at, uh, at players like that you just cannot um but yeah that's I mean, at least it wasn't. At least it wasn't like shoulders are above. He actually did it the right way, and threw right out of his ass. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's still bad because I mean, you can still yeah, lose. I, you know, I, I agree for sure, but but I mean, you see these dudes be throwing nowadays, and they'll be giving them some towards the shoulder blade, like you're not Bob Gibson. Relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that case, it's fair. Like throwing just one right, like behind him by a lot, like something like that. But I mean. It's still bad, but yeah, I get you. But like, yeah, so that's uh, really the whole discussion on the unwritten rules. There's not really that much of a discussion because if one of us was like a baseball traditionalist who believes that bad flips are disrespectful and that running up the score is bad, this would actually be a discussion. But since we're not and we agree on this, it's really not much to say on this. Also, one thing that's funny is the whole, you know, don't run up the score. You know, the game is over. Baseball is the only major sport that doesn't have a timer. So as long as you haven't made 27 outs, you can still technically come back and win the game. And that's another thing. We've seen crazier comebacks in baseball. Yes. We've seen... There's Only in baseball we have some crazy stuff happen. Like All they need is just one, one good inning to... Busting open and they're right back in the game. Yeah, the um, the Mets were leading the Nats. I think this was last year. They were leading the Nats ten to four in the ninth inning, and the Nats uh, and the Nats won that game, eleven to ten or something like that. The, just uh, one one example. The Phillies bullpen just blew a eight run lead the other day. Yeah. So like. They, <laughs> Yeah, just an even better example, even more reason. Like it's just bullshit. Uh, baseball has no time limit. It has no timer, no clock, no nothing. So as like I said, as long as you haven't made twenty seven outs, you can still come back in the game. And I mean, what happens if Tatis takes that three zero pitch instead of swinging at it? Are the Rangers just gonna you know are they gonna go out go up to the plate in the next half inning and just take every single pitch until they strike out because the game is over? I bet not. I bet not. It's just bullshit. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say about it. It's just bullshit. Let's not dwell into it uh, a whole lot. Um, yeah, so more on the list of topics. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of juicy pause shit. Like, <laughs> oh come on, bro. <laughs> come on. Because I was trying bro. to find. Yo. Nah, bro, come on. Bro. I know. I know you knew this English thing, but. <laughs> Cause I was trying to like find a word and I, and, and I was like not trying to wait for like five just, seconds. Flat, I actually man. said pause, so you can't that's, actually. No find man, that, that's that's that. awful. You, that's just awful. <laughs> I went, I went mad Caucasian on that one. <laughs> man, for real. 
<laughs> hey yo but um like yeah so there has been some wild... call or something for mtv yeah definitely <laughs> oh man um so if you didn't turn off the podcast after hearing that um <laughs> there uh there have been a lot of wild news and one of them uh involved pat's team um <laughs> uh you care to explain uh to the folks about the whole police act clevenger incident incident you know what what happened with them and how they handle it and that whole thing um exactly exactly i'm not clevenger need dunce caps like they shouldn't wear regular baseball fitters on the field now they should wear dunce caps with the, with the black <laughs> c on it Especially uh, please act since he wants to get on instagram after um violating the travel rules and stuff um for any of you don't know this happened like two weeks ago um Zach please act and mike clemenger both got caught leaving hotel and going out and the weird thing about it was please act tried to sneak back in and he got caught and clever clemenger didn't even come back to the team hotel and no one noticed dummies and it's not just the fact that we're in the pandemic and you have you know a couple of older guys on the staff especially tito who has heart problems but you have a guy who just who literally just recovered from cancer yeah. like his, his immune system could still be like compromised or not working it's, it's just it's just stupid that's really the only way to put it it's just very stupid yeah is very stupid. So please, it got caught, and then what happened with Clevenger? Because <laughs> he did even some more stupid shit. Clevenger tried to um defend please act, then he didn't admit to not being with the team. Then he traveled with the team back to Cleveland from Chicago or whatever wherever they were. Dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. It's just, it's like like Pat said, one of your teammates just recovered from cancer. Idiots! Like, what's wrong with you? You can't. You don't have enough self control to sit in the fucking hotel, which I'm sure is not a shitty hotel. No, it's their MOB. Yeah, I got like a five star hotel. Yeah, they better, they better call some. We would call up some girl and our friends and have her come through or something. Like, yeah. Sit your ass the fuck down. Drink some wine, eat some pizza. Yeah. You can find ways to entertain yourself in a hotel, in a five star hotel, other than being fucking dummies and going out. Uh, so, yeah. So that happened. Uh, Please, I got caught. Clemenger defended Please Act, didn't admit to it, then flew with the team, which could have, you know, he could have infected the whole team. And now we got another outbreak and you got people at risk within the team. And now not only them, not only are they at risk, the season is also at risk because this shit. Uh, and then Please Act, <laughs> you kind of mentioned it, this motherfucker, he went on Instagram and shit and just posted a video basically saying, y'all hating on me. <laughs> And that made his teammates even matter because it's clear that he didn't get it. Yeah. And there was a lot of tension in the clubhouse, correct? Yep. A lot. Um, Oliver Perez threatened to opt out if they came back. Um, mm. And Lindor was outspoken. Even though Carlos Santana wanted to kill somebody. <laughs> that boy Carlos Santana, man, he was, he, he, he was chasing them with the baseball bat in his hands. Yeah, for real. Probably was waiting, waiting. Who knows, yeah. man? Who knows what he did? Probably broke Clemenger's skateboard or something. Yeah, but like people got mad and rightfully so within the team, and they actually got sent down to the alternate site. So that is a big development because I mean, Clevenger, Police Hack—they're not scrubs, correct? I mean, they're both really good pitchers. No, they're, um, they're both very good pitchers, but when you can. When you can throw guys to your alternate site and still have a elite rotation because you have so much depth, it just it says a lot about the team. Yeah, uh, and on that note, uh, go ahead, man. I mean, I know you've kind of been waiting for this. Um, 
In case y'all didn't know, uh, Tristan McKenzie, uh, a Cleveland Spiders slash Indians slash baseball team prospect, uh, he made his debut last night. Uh, wasn't the last time he pitched like two years ago or something like that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, literally almost been two years. It's been like 720 something days. Yeah, and he struck out 10 over six innings, gave up only two hits. So, man, like, go ahead, man. Like, just, you know, brag about your team right now because we just covered a topic where, you know, your team uh, was in the middle of some shit. Uh, brag about your team, bro. Go ahead. Make me sad. Come on. <laughs> so, um, the last night, the Cleveland Indians called up a pitcher who hasn't, mind you, never pitched in the major leagues. And because of injury, he has a pitch in 722 days. And last night, he made his debut going six innings, um, striking out 10, giving him two hits and one earned run, which is a great debut, like a really great debut. And mind you, he was on a, on a pitch limit too, which was six innings or 80 pitches. And he pitched through six innings, striking out 10 and 80 pitches. Crazy. In his first, in his major league debut, in his first time pitching competitively, competitively in over two years, in almost two years to the day. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesse McKenzie had a lot of hype. He was drafted when he was 17 in the first round. And he pretty much jumped in the minors. He reached double A ball two years ago. He was 20. Which is impressive on its own. Yeah, he, he pitched a full half season at 20 in double A. So people were saying, like if he was honestly if he was never injured he would have got called up before police actors and probably would have probably like not no probably like definitely because he was a he still had a lot of stock and he was a top 50 prospect for most of his career until he got injured mm-hmm. so um there's a lot of hype surrounding him he's like 6'5 165 so he's he's skinny okay. but like he looks Kevin like a Duran arms oh. yeah like there's a picture of him. He can put his whole his arms are so long. He could put his whole he could cover a whole doorway with his just his arms if he leans over. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the picture. Like it's crazy how long his arms are. Um, yeah, and that creates weird angles for hitters yeah. to actually see. It creates deception because they think the ball is they think the ball is closer. Well, the ball is closer, so it increases perceived velocity and which is crazy, which also um, carries over deception and. The ball carries to the zone and stuff like that in the release point. Yeah. How did you um how did you see his pitches uh last night? Because we know he's got a lively fastball. Mm-hmm. I heard I actually heard some uh some good things about the breaking ball. I didn't know about the changeup. So how do okay. you see him last night? Like in so, terms of like pitch selection and how he pitched. So based on the industry of scouting and stuff like that, um Jason McKenzie was seen as a had had a plus fastball which was 60 grade because of his life and carry not just because of the velocity and originally he only sits 90 to 93 which is because he's so skinny even though he's tall um his curveball is seen as um plus 60 grade too and it's seen mm-hmm. as his best pitch and his outs pitch but there's just one thing some teams don't like about it is his spin rate but apparently um it still has a lot of depth because it has useful spin even, it's a really unique pitch. So it's like a 12, 6, 11, 5, something. It's weird. But mm-hmm. um, he's seemed to have had a velocity jump um, from like, because he, he originally sat 90, 93, but now it seems like he's hitting 94 and 96 and he's hitting 97. So yeah. it's a bit different. Um, his third pitch is a changeup and it's something he's really struggled with throughout his minor league career. Team thought it wasn't that good and scouts. So for most of his minor career, it was seen as a 45 grade, but because of his command, it was it seems that um, it could play up. But he's also had a slider and a cutter, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you see him mechanics-wise? Because guys like that with you know real long levers, uh, it can be hard for them to repeat mechanics. Uh, you know how you see you know the case with Chris Sale someone like that who was thought of just exclusively as a reliever and then, you know, kind of worked his way into being a dominant starter. So how did you see him in terms of mechanics and repeating them and how comfortable he looked? 
Um, he has very clean mechanics for someone who's six five. Mm-hmm. Very fluid. Like I know you saw it last night. Like he has a very fast arm. It's kind of whip like. His effort, even though his effort looks kind of high delivery because his arms are so long and his legs are, is very smooth and easy. And um, he's great. I was having plus mechanics, you know, like his pitchability and intelligence on the mound is really great as well. Um, from people, uh, from people I know in the industry, um, that tell me things about him. Um, and he also has like sixty grade command. Seems to be the norm with yeah. a lot of y'all pitchers. Yeah, um, his walk per nine in the minors is a 2.7, and his K per nine is like 11.5. That's pretty good. <laughs> and his, his minor league ERA is like a 2.6. This is for a kid who was pitching, uh, like he was, I'd probably say he was like two and a half, three years younger than the average age at the levels that he was pitching at, correct? He was, I mean, he was pretty much the youngest pitcher in every level he's ever played at or one of. That's really impressive. And in um in Lake County, you pitched at Lake County, which is full season A ball at nineteen. That's really impressive. I mean, we no, talk at about, eighteen, uh, actually eighteen. He was only eighteen. Even more impressive. Even more. And like, he um he jumped to high A at nineteen. He was one. He jumped to high A nineteen and won um pitcher of the year in in the Virginia League. Yeah, we talk a lot about prospects' age, and because it's really important. Uh, a lot of times, you know, maybe you see someone, you know, maybe has a to, uh, you know a lot of tools, something like that, and then you look at his age, and he's a lot of old, and he's a lot older than he than you probably would have won. Like Sam Hillier, for example, he's twenty six, and he has a lot of tools, but he's twenty six. So, Aaron Judge. Yeah, exactly. Like late bloomers, they have a, a bit tougher. Uh, guys who rocket through the minor leagues and are too consistently two years younger two plus years younger than the average age at the level they're playing at those are the guys you really want to keep an eye on because those are the guys that will make the majors at age 21 and yeah they'll be a lead for a decade basically yeah so go ahead yeah you pretty much um young players that are successful value not only because of the fact that um you have control and you can have their best years physically, but also um, guys that can perform versus older competition. It's a sign yes. of skill. And that's and a lot of teams push prospects like that. They push their good prospects to play against older guys. Yeah, older certain, certain teams value age more than others, and, and the Indians are one of them in how they yep. draft and sign players. Mm-hmm. They're big on getting big getting guys as much um time development time in their system as possible yeah it's a good sign of believing in what you can do with these young players so yeah um you mentioned uh his uh you know the spike in velocity um i think it's really 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 huge for him that he manages to sit around 94 95 instead of 92 93 uh because there's like there's like a hill that pitchers clear like once they can hit 95 plus their fastball and by definition the, the rest of their arsenal becomes a lot tougher to hit right like i don't know like where exactly have i seen it but there's like a stat for this like pitchers who sit uh 95 plus they have on average much better results than pitchers who sit 93 plus and that might seem well mario i mean that is fucking obvious duh but like it's important to like hit that velocity uh range and then maintain the rest of your stuff like that's when you have an ace and good control and tristan mckenzie has all that he's he's young i mean he has everything duh you y'all make me jealous bruh it seems like it seems like one of every two pitchers y'all draft or like one of every two pitchers that goes through y'all minor league system ends up becoming a major leaguer of some sorts it's bullshit it's i'm so spoiled man it's just crazy to me um the indians have had a free agent pitcher start for them since like 2014 that's a wild stat that's that's an that's an actual stat yeah that's a crazy stat damn like all homegrown damn. we either trade it for them or we signed and developed them that's very impressive that is very impressive 
and that makes me jealous. Um, it's just, dude, and then Tristan said it last night, too. He talked about the culture and everything down there and how it benefited him because he's best friends with Shane Bieber and having Zach Plesak and Aaron Zavala and Shane Bieber there to get, mind you, the only two veterans in this rotation. So Carlos Carrasco has been pitching for the Indians since like 2011, 2012. Club's been with the team since 2016 when he got his first call up. Shea Bieber debuted in 18. Please, Zach and Zavali debuted in 19. And mind you, you remember when, I remember when um, baseball was first rolling out in February and I told you that any AAA rotation is going to be better than some major league rotations. And you're right. Tristan McKenzie is, a, is technically the seventh starter on this team. You're making me sad again. It, 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 like, I just want to, like, this is what a triple invitation for the Cleveland will look like. McKenzie, Scott Moss, Adam Plutko, um, who else? Probably Eli Morgan and um, some other fifth guy. Who knows? I'd say three of those could start in the major leagues for a good two thirds of the teams in the league. At least. Yeah, Plutko. McKenzie definitely yep and then Scott Moss is still an interesting prospect and then you still have police Axavali on the back end of the major league rotation who was basically got jumped up from double A to straight to the majors last year you're seeing that a lot actually and, this year from the and they're all from under 25 all of them uh, police act police act Savali Bieber McKenzie are all 23 or 24. Oh, that's going to be like, that's, gonna, that's actually going to be interesting a couple years from now seeing like who they keep, who they don't. I like think about this, bro. McKenzie, they have control of McKenzie until 2027. Shut up, man. <laughs> 2027. See, laughing. The I'm laughing. Am I, like, I just crazy. know you're smiling, fam. Uh, bro, you can, hear, you can hear the smile. Like, Shane, they have, <laughs> They have Shane Bieber until 2025. Mm. And mind you, they could, they could still push back Clemenger and Plesex, um free agency and stuff by a year if they wanted to. I think Clevenger gets dealt. Yeah, Clevenger's getting dealt this offseason, that's for sure. If anything, and mind you, Tristan McKenzie is getting another start. He should. Like he's going to get another start, so I think Clevenger's getting dealt. Clemens is a lot older than what I originally thought. Like when I first looked it up, I'm like, oh. Yeah, and he like has, injury, he and like he has injury history. Yeah. So that's not looking too good for him. Um, but yeah, like he's going to get traded. And I'm kind of. Y'all can kind of hear in my voice. I'm kind of like dejected right now. It's <laughs> sad. I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sorry. I don't care, bro. Like, brag about your team because that's good. Because much like the Dodgers are just you, like a top, you, like the, the hold on a second. Like the Dodgers are like a fifty-five plus future value prospect like factory. Y'all are the same thing, but with starting pitching. Go ahead. That's perfect. But what I was gonna say was, if you want to be a Spiders fan, just it's, you, you you come over. You're with the winning team. And, and the better third base shortstop duel. <laughs> no comment on that. Um, <laughs> Damn, I thought I was going to bait you. I thought I was going to bait you. Nah, fam. I mean, the way Nolan's playing is bad. But anyway, um, so that kind of ties in. I don't want to dive into the Rockies right away because, you know, there are some some other things maybe that we can deserve. Or do I? I mean, right, let's just get it out of the way. Um, so the Colorado Rockies. Uh, if y'all remember in last uh, the last podcast we did, uh, it was when the Rockies. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but they were like one of the best teams in baseball at that point, right? Um, the Colorado Rockies after 14 games were 11 and three. If I'm not mistaken, that is the best winning percentage in franchise history through 14 games right mm-hmm. since then <laughs> oh my goodness that, this that's, is gonna be bad 
That side. That side was. <laughs> okay. Um, because I'm trying to get my facts right. Because I've actually, because I've actually, no bullshit. I've lost count of just how many games they've lost in a row. Um, I think it's six in a row. So basically, since that point, uh, the Colorado Rockies are two. So I mean, they've won like see some. I'm so like dumbfounded, like some Spanish crept up in there. Um, they've lost, if I'm not mistaken, 11 of, the, of their last 13 games. Now, Pat, you said, you know, when, we, when, we, when I was bragging about the Rockies in that last episode, you said, and I'm pretty sure I'm almost damn near quoting you, man, this could be a huge collapse. We're fucking right. You was right. This is something else. Um, basically, see, I would have preferred for the Rockies to actually be trash the whole year, because then they gave me some hope that maybe with the fairy tale beginning, maybe they could creep him to the playoffs. Nope. So, with all that being said, with the sigh out of the way. Let's give some background information on this first, right? Colorado Rockies are in the 28th year of their of their uh, existence. In that time, the Colorado Rockies have made the postseason five times. In 28 years, five times. In 28 years, the five Colorado times. Rocky. Yep, five times. So that means In almost once every six years they've made the playoffs. Correct. In 28 years, the Colorado Rockies have won their division zero times. That is zero. Zero. Silch. Nada. Tony Wood made the playoffs more than y'all. This team. Um, this team is the one uh, adjective I would use to describe this team that applies right now and that applies for the entire history of this franchise is inept. I think that's a good adjective to describe them. Um, how's the you know how's the ownership inept? Or what about the front office inept? What about their manager? Inept. What about their approach, you know, to developing players? Terrible. Inept. What about the rust, you know, the rust construction philosophy? Inept. What about their approach to hitting? Inept. What about their approach to pitching? Inept in 2020. This team is run like a conservative team from 1985. There are a lot of things to say about the Colorado Rockies. I think the damnest thing to say is that if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not going to bother to fact, to fact check on this because if I'm off, I'll only be off by a little bit. This team has, like I said, made the playoffs five times in 28 years. The franchise record for wins is 92 wins in the season. This team with that baggage has made the playoffs exact I mean has uh, had exactly three GMs in franchise history three GMs in 28 years when you make the playoffs five times and the best GM is, is still a bad GM the best GM the Colorado Rockies have ever had would be the worst GM in the history of of all other 29 MLB franchises. You double down on that? Yes. I'm willing to... I'll die on that hill. Okay, alright. I'll die on that fucking hill. Now, this is a team that is so ass-backwards, it's, it's incredible. 
let's jump all the way back to 2016, shall we say? Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like, you know, we got to give some back, uh, some background information as to why the 2020 Rockies uh, are such a huge disappointment. So 2016, and y'all can hear my voice is rising right now because my blood pressure is as well. <laughs> 2016 the Colorado Rockies had a really good first half of the year they crumbled in the second half they tip they, they tend to do that and we'll get into that a little bit now that was a team that had a lot of good pieces it was one of the highest ranked farm systems in all of baseball a lot of good starting pitching depth in that farm system Nolan Arenado was breaking out as a legitimate superstar. Charlie Blackman, late bloomer, but he was also breaking through as a really good all-star caliber player. Trevor Story, the heir apparent to Troy Tulowitzki, he looked like the greatest shortstop on planet Earth <laughs> at one point. So the Rockies thought, you know, with a core of players, I mean, and, and DJ LeMayhew, was also looking really good. And you had like you you had something. John Gray was looking like an ace. You had something. It was a young team with a lot of young upcoming players, a lot of high-level prospects very close to the major leagues. Now, I'll pose you a question. A team in that situation with a lot of uh, money to spend on uh, in free agency, what is the priority? Like, what is the approach for a team like that in free agency? I mean, what do you do like with that situation? Just a young team. You, you put in veterans. You put in you put in competent veterans, and if you get above average elite veteran, you do that. That fits within the structure of your team, obviously. Correct. Was the key word you used right there? Competent. Entering 2017, the Colorado Rockies signed Ian Desmond to a five-year, $70 million contract to play first base. Now, Ian Desmond had had some good years with the Nats earlier on in the decade. Still, at his best, he was nothing more than a 115 WRC+. At his best. At his best. With a little bit of defensive value. Exactly. He was coming off a year where his WRC plus, his offensive contributions, were just barely above league average with the range. And he was on his way to 30. Exactly. Actually, I actually think he was 30 at that point. 30 31. I'm not fat checking on that because I'm too pissed off to do it. (laughs) I'll look it up. You keep on going. Um, that contract will prove to be one of the biggest fuck-ups in the history of this franchise. Not just because the contract is bad. Not just the because time. you wasted... The time. Exactly. Not just because you wasted $70 million, but because of the ramifications of the Ian Desmond contract. And let me put it like... And let me put this out there. I have no problems with Ian Desmond as a man. I don't know, dude, but he looks like a cool dude. Seems like a cool dude. Everything I've heard, he does great work in the community. He's spoken about a lot of shit, about a lot of important shit. No problem with the man. The player? Not a major league player. At this point. They spent $70 million on someone who was going to play first base who was basically an average hitter. Now, what is the one quality of first base that, you know, a first baseman just needs to have? A good bat, correct? Yes. Now, why is that? Because the value defensively at first base is not that big. So, let's move on. So, the endowment contract, everyone shitted on it, pretty much. But the Rockies, they, they knew they were on the right path. Now, what happens then? 2017, the Rockies, they get off to a super hot start. Pretty sure they were actually, you know, 
neck and neck with the Diamondbacks and the and the Dodgers for a while. They did slow down a little bit in the middle to the latter half of the year, which always happens with them, but it's okay because they made the playoffs. Wildcard game. I don't have to go over what happens there. It's painful, but it doesn't matter because it's a young team. You're going to lose in the playoffs. That experience is good, but you were just getting started, right? Right? I mean, yeah, you, you know, yes. a team like that with a rising... No, uh, sorry, but uh, a team like that with a starting rotation that's rising, young, homegrown rotation that's rising, rising position players, a lot of prospects on the cusp of major league playing time. A team like that, it seems like that's the beginning of the good times, correct? Yes. There was something that went on in 2017. In 2017, Ryan Tapia, David Dahl, were two outfield prospects for the Rockies. They were both highly touted prospects. Neither could really see the field. Dull because he got hurt. Tapia because he got blocked by Gerardo Parra. Gerardo Parra was a sub-replacement level player. And the Rockies played him over their young, exciting prospect. This is a topic, uh, you know, a trend that will repeat itself. Correct? Mm. So, 2018. Going into 2018, the objectives should have been clear. This team's pitching staff is young, but is rising. The hidden core is lacking. What do we do? We sign three relievers over the age of 30 with a monster amount of mileage on their arms to a combined 105 million fucking dollars including one that made like 70 appearances per year over the last like three years who was brian shaw correct now pat is familiar with brian shaw yes i am yes what's one thing that tito francona did with brian shaw every single like he was really out there almost every other game ran his ass right into the ground Yeah, two innings, like, every other game, like. I'm going to look up his stats because the amount of innings he threw was just ridiculous for a reliever. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, they paid $105 million for three aging relievers with a lot of <laughs> mileage and very close past their prime and very near the point where relievers, who, by the way, are by default, you know, really it. random. Yeah. Um, can I, I, got the, I got the numbers for you. Yeah, go ahead. So when he was with Cleveland, um, he was with Cleveland for five years. He mm. made a total of 378 appearances in five years. Jesus. And year by year, these are this is how many appearances he made. 70, 80, 74, 75, 79. That's insane. And Incredible mind you, in those, in those five years, he averaged a 311 ERA. It was great. Yeah, he threw 358 innings. And that's the reliever you sign. Yeah, like he literally averaged 64 innings per year. Like in Cleveland, he averaged 70. This is innings by year. 75, 76, 64, 66, 76. That's a beaten down old You know what they did though? They brought back Cargo. Now Cargo is an all-time Rockies great. He was washed up in 20 uh by 2018. He shouldn't have been on that team. You know what was the consequence of Cargo getting brought back? Gerardo Farah being brought back. Ian Desmond still playing first base. David Dahl, Ryan Meltapia, Ryan McMahon. All prospects who could have contributed big time to that team offensively all up and down the minors getting pinch hitting opportunities at best so basically a wasted year of development except for Dahl who did start late on in the stretch Dahl did get benched uh, for Gerardo Parra though another problem uh, that year was uh, the Rockies catchers now I sent you that graph of the best catchers in Rockies history by F4 Uh, you described it with one word, depressing. I agree. 
the Rockies had a catcher named Tom Murphy. Now, you probably heard of him because he's with the Mariners now, and he was actually really good last year. The Rockies barely gave him any playing time whatsoever because they just had to give, you know, some at-bats to Drew Butera and Tony Walters. Whatever, right? Another guy who you might know is Mike Talkman. He's with the Yankees now. He's a legitimately good, above-average, major league caliber player. Mm-hmm. The Rockies gave him... You know how many at-bats they gave him? Uh, did he even make it to the majors with the Rockies? 68 at-bats. While Gerardo Parra was out there putting up minus 1.2 war. While Cargo was barely, barely scratching league average, and that was on his bounce back year. With that outfield situation, they couldn't find at bats for a guy who consistently had an OPS near a thousand in AAA. So in 2018, of course, they get carried by amazing starting pitching. John Gray gets unlucky, but Kyle Freeland and Germán Marquez, they have Cy Young caliber seasons. Both of them. 2018, they make the playoffs again. They somehow beat the Cubs because the Cubs are even more undisciplined than the Rockies themselves. Terrific pitching performance at Wrigley Field. Real happy moment. Then what happens? They go and play a real team. They play the Milwaukee Brewers. They get smoked. And by getting smoked, I mean they score two runs in three games. Those two runs all came in the same inning. In three games. So it seems clear, right? The problem with this team seems clear now. It's been two years in a row. The problem with this team seems very clear. There is no position player depth here. We have three good hitters. What did the Rockies do? Did they add on to it? No. They let DJ LeMahieu walk, which was a good thing. Brendan Rodgers was almost on the cusp of making the majors. And he was, and still is, a legitimate high-level prospect. And honestly, what they should do was they should re sign DJ to like a one year stopgap deal or let Chris Owens or whoever run around out there and just call. What you, when you have guys that are good, you just throw them out there and see what they can do as soon as yeah. you can. Like what the Indians did with Tristan McKenzie. Yeah. Seems He's, logical, right? Yeah. You, they're baseball players. This is what they do for a living. Correct. Now, Heading into 2019, the Rockies did, in that offseason, did nothing. They lost De, uh, DJ LeMahieu. They also lost Adam Ottavino, their best reliever. But that's okay. You cannot pay every reliever. They signed Daniel Murphy, who had shown clear signs of declining to play first base. Just to make sure that every prospect who could conceivably play in the infield would get blocked some more. So in 20, so they roll in 2019 with the same exact lineup, same pitching staff, everything the same. They thought they would be so great. They thought they were building off a terrific 91 win season. They started the season three and 12. And I remember this like it was yesterday because it was painful to watch them. They were not hitting at all because they just cannot hit. This is a team that cannot hit. Uh, so they begin the season three and twelve. They fight back, and as late as like I think like early July, they were like forty, uh, like forty three and forty one, something like that. Like we're just above five hundred. Then July, August, and September were just a nightmare, and they finished seventy one and ninety one. Pitching staff imploded. No one was hitting, aside from the three guys that always hit: Story, Blackman, Arenado. And now here we are. The team sat on its ass again this off, uh, the offseason. And going into this year, they put the same team out there and they actually thought that they were going to perform any better. Here's a question. And it's, and it's a real question. It's not a, it's not a rhetorical question. What other team in the major leagues would call up their number one prospect with a huge hole in the lineup 
and at second base. And give Chris motherfucking Owings a start over him. Pittsburgh Pirates. I doubt even they would do that. Yeah, you know they right. They did have a regime change. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. None. None. Brendan Rodgers has been with the Major League team for five games now. In the first four, he started one, got eight plate appearances. Your number one prospect. And I'm convinced the only reason he started a game is because Chris Owings got hurt. He's starting this game now, and the only reason he's starting it, because Nolan is out of the lineup, because he's struggling. Yeah, I don't this think he's team, not allowed to rest days anyways. No, but Nolan doesn't need rest. He's an Ironman. I mean, that's true, but still, in modern baseball, you, you let guys sit a game every now and then, especially during the 60-game season, where you have to kind of be proactive when you have everybody injuring themselves, you know? Yeah. Okay, so that's fair. But... Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I wasn't, you know, like... Guys like Nolan, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Otan, they're going to play 150 games a year regardless. They're going to play. They're, they'd play hurt if yeah. if it was up to them. I don't think people realize how, how much baseball players play hurt throughout the season. Yeah. Because a lot of it are, you know, they're not like big time injuries. Like, they're just shit that like bothers you and that fucks up your swing. And, uh, oh, you know, this guy's slumping for two weeks. What happened? Maybe his thumb is fucked up or something like that. Anyway. Yeah, like these dudes be playing with um, sprained ankles and fingers and stuff and like big bruises on their, like just the amount of wear and tear baseball players have on their core and their shoulders and arms and stuff throughout their careers is ridiculous. Yeah, I tried swinging a baseball bat, a wooden baseball bat for five days straight. This shit's going to fuck up. Anyway, so this team right now, they started the season hot. Because a lot of guys were getting lucky with how they well they were hitting. The pitching was overperforming a little bit, but still, this isn't this is not a bad pitching staff at all. The problem with this team right now, as they fall under 500, they're 13 and 14 right now, is the same thing it has been since 2017. Depth. This team has not enough good players. I agree. And that's and that's one thing. You just don't have enough serviceable players on your roster to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. You don't need superstars at every spot. It's not feasible. You're not the Yankees or the Dodgers. Just average players. Not to mention having two superstar infielders on the left side of the infield is pretty much as viable as you're going to get unless it's a catcher. Exactly. Short of a shortstop catcher superstar combo, having a, a duel like Arnaldo and Story, that's a luxury. Not even the Dodgers have that. The Yankees don't have that. Like, and they're squandering it. Why? Because they cannot build a major league roster. Because they're enamored with giving veteran players playing time over young exciting players who could be a part of this team not only now not only next year but in 2022 for example and i've said this on twitter with the way they're currently built if it were up to me i trade everyone this team is not good enough to compete for anything serious it's just not um will they do it though the an the answer to that I can already give you that answer, folks, is no. The Colorado Rockies don't rebuild because that would fuck up with the amount of fans that come to the stadium. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters to the owner. That's all that matters. That's the reason why he doesn't replace GMs. He's comfortable. He makes his money. It's whatever. He's also the only owner, by the way, who hasn't paid his draft picks weekly. I forgot about that. Because I'm sure he's struggling so badly. You know what that does? You know who sees that? Every agent does. You know what agents are going to tell those young players when they're negotiating? Don't fuck with that team. I'm done. I got nothing. I got nothing. This fucking team. 
I'm pissed at myself. I'm mad at myself for having an, an emotional attachment to this team. I will never stop rooting for this team. But I won't give this team a dime. A Cause dime. Because of their colors. Yes. I, I actually started rooting for this team because I didn't know anything about baseball. I just picked a team based on who had the ill-looking jerseys. My favorite color is purple. The Rockies were the pick. Beautiful ballpark. Great fan base. Too loyal a fan base. And a big fan base. Yes. This is not some... This is not... Yo, this is not the Kansas City Royals, fam. They play in Denver. This is a mid-market team. This is not a small market team. Don't cry poor. My bad. I cut you off. No, you you pretty much said I was going to say. Like, And mind you, they have Montana and Utah and all those other random states in that part of the country. This this team is inept. I I will never stop rooting for this team because I'm emotionally attached to them. But I like I said, I won't give this team a dime until Jeff Braddock is fired and Dick Monfort, the owner, sells this fucking team. I'm not backing down from that. I'm not giving this team a dime until there's an ownership change. I will never buy a jersey. I'll never... God for God, for, God forgive. I will never go to a game. I won't give you a dime. <laughs> oh my goodness, bro! Nothing until nothing. you sell the fucking team. Nothing. 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 I'll buy my shit off eBay. I'll buy used Rockies gear. <laughs> hey, I got the um, I got the link for this for this um. You know, Majestic, the people that used to make the baseball jerseys until Nike did it. They have a website for throwback jerseys. I'm just changing the link for when we well, get You can hit me up with that because I'm going to need that. Yeah, like straight Because I'm not giving this team a dime. <laughs> Bro, this is this is a villainous monologue that you're going on right now. And that's it. I got nothing people, else. He said he's I'm not- never. Yo, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My, I'm sorry, but like. Let me just get like this last sentence and then I'll, and then you can talk. I'm sorry. Like I'm never going to talk at length about this team again until on this podcast, of course, I will tweet about it because I can't help myself. On this podcast, I promise I will never discuss this this team on a long conversation like this, or a long monologue until there is significant news Shake-up news. Up top. Until some heads roll. I will never mention this team again on this podcast. Unless it's to say they traded someone. They did something. They won this game. This story. Someone. Some scandal. I will never have this team as a topic. At least for me. If Pat wants to talk about it. I'm open to it. For me. You will never hear me mention this team again on this podcast until they actually do something of note. And that is all I got. Yo, we got to get some sound effects and stuff, like a soundboard, so we can... Yeah, definitely, like, claps. Like, no, fuck the clap. Gunshots, man. Fuck out of here. Man... <laughs> He's like the mm. beginning of that Styles P song. Yes. <laughs> like, like the Joe Bun podcast, man. We, we, we begin with the gunshots, man. Fuck out of here. Yeah, that's our snippet for tomorrow. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of snippets to choose from. Yeah. Shit. Man, you, you went off, bro. I'm, I'm actually sorry because you didn't get to talk on that shit at all. No, nah, you good, bro. I, I feel like that made it better. You keep on cutting me off. Kept on cutting me off. Made it funnier. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. You really ran through everything. <laughs> I just, um, I, I had to get that out of my chest. I'm sorry. Uh, sheesh. And the fact that it seems on like it lost like 10 to 12 doesn't help. Because I'm not even mad that they're losing. I'm mad at how they're losing. And I'm mad that they thought they were not going to lose. Yeah, they should have blew it up. They should have blew it up last year. Anyway, like, fuck. They could have did, 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 did an Arenado sign and trade. They could have traded Story. Yes. And they would have gotten some shit for that. Her mom, Marquez, Kyle Freeland, John Gray. You will get, you will get 
a lot for Hemamake. Anyway, um, are there any extra topics that maybe kind of I kind of just stumped on? By I going think we're good, bro. Far? Like I feel like leaving it right here is cool. Like, cause you really, you really just kind of leaving. I eviscerated the, them. Yeah, you eviscerated everything. Hopefully, it's good to listen to. I mean, it, it felt it felt good getting it out of my system because I I just need I needed it. Um. So seems Pat's cool with it. So that is that was episode fourteen of the Pinch Talk podcast with Marty and Pat. Um, yeah, uh, man, I'm having a hard time doing the outro right now. Um, damn. Um, yeah. Uh, remember that the podcast is available on all platforms: Breaker, Apple Pods, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, everything you want. The podcast will be there. Uh, remember to check out the account, like I said on the Twitter account, like I said at the beginning. Threads that we do, Pat's uh, articles that he does. Um, yeah, uh, that was pretty much it. Uh, I'm sorry uh, if any of you like, if y'all got this far. I'm sorry if, if like you're not interested in the Rockies. Like, I mean, it is what it is. You're not gonna hear about them anymore. So. Yeah, uh, that was episode 14. Uh, you want to sign off for these people? Uh, how you guys doing? It's Pat. want to say thank you. <laughs> we appreciate everything. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you. If you got this far, listen to Mario's rant and that awful sign off I just did. So, yeah, um, hope you guys stay safe and have a great one. Tristan McKenzie is better than her mom, Marquez. And fighting words. And, um, and Ubaldo Jimenez. He definitely is better than Ubaldo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially after he got traded to the Indians. Yeah. Um, let's not dwell on that. I'm going to get sad again. Uh, so, yeah, that was episode 14 of the Pinch Talk podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. And, yeah, see y'all next time. Probably next. Right. No, exactly next week because we'll do the power rankings and all that. The begin, you know at the end of the month uh and there will be some shit to talk about and you know we got some stories also we can tell so this is probably going to take me a while to edit um and it's my fault uh so yeah thank you for listening that was episode 14 and peace y'all stay safe <laughs>